WBNE. Howdy, Yokes, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edge Hill. And today is Monday. And this is Bacon and Eggs. So have new armor built from Imperial Steel. Because today we're bringing you The Mandalorian. So we're joined this week by none other than Casey Winters. Hold on, he does but much better intros than that. Let me let me let me let me go back and start again. Our guest this week is the host from elsewhere. He is a father of many children and an excellent husband. He has his master's degree and he lives in Utah. He once chopped down a tree in one fell swoop, and it wasn't even a small tree. It wasn't a redwood either, but it was kind of like that big. But he would never chop down a redwood because he loves the forests. Anyway, our guest this week is none other than Casey Winters. Hello! I'm so excited from- to be here. I did not chop down a tree. In fact, the axe in my garage is like super dull right now. Because you've chopped so many trees. It could be. Could be. I was going to say, I refuse to believe that you've never chopped a tree in your life. I tried once and got really tired. So. Really? I've never chopped a tree down. I have chopped wood. But you don't live times. in Utah. That's true. He doesn't either. He lives in elsewhere. That's right. That's where I spend all my time. Casey, have you, you live much closer to California than we do. Have you ever been to the Redwood Forests? No, I have not. Um, Valerie and the kiddos went once, but they went without me because I... I don't know. I had school or something, so I had to stay behind. You let your I said you, you let, let your whole family go children. to Endor without you. Yeah, right. That's exactly what she said to me. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you know her well. <laughs> I know you well. <laughs> I know that that would have been a travesty for you. Right. It was. What were you I have never gotten Tyler? to go to Redwood Forest. I rode by them on you? a train in the middle of the night, but I didn't get to go to them. Casey, it wasn't that long ago that you and I were on bagels together. Or no, we weren't. You were on bagels, and I edited it, but it felt like I was there. This is what podcasting there. is. <laughs> oh, I talk to the shows I edit all the time, even the ones that I'm on. My question, Casey, you have four kids? I have three children, yes. Three children. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I think of myself as one of your children as well, so that was kind of... You are. I am your father, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you said the thing. Okay. So, chapter three of The Mandalorian. Much. He told me you killed him! <laughs> Chapter three of The Mandalorian is called The Sign. It's not. It's The Sin. Uh, Directed by Deborah Chow. It came out November 22nd, 2019, 146 days ago from this recording, and a 93% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And we're not going to do anything else with the critics, because I just want to talk about this episode. Casey, you said this was your favorite episode, or... One of your favorite episodes? Yes, absolutely. I love this episode so much. Uh, the first thing is, well, so Deborah Chow directed it. This is the first live action Star Wars property directed by a woman, which is pretty dang awesome. Um, that is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it shouldn't have taken this long, but yeah. Isn't Star Wars like owned by a woman right now? Right. You, you'd think that so, this would have happened a little <laughs> bit sooner, but Kathleen Kennedy knows what she's doing. So well, she's been I in mean, the business for a long, long time. There also just haven't been that many live action Star Wars properties. Like there are right. there are very few Star Wars directors compared to people on Earth. Right. As of exactly. as of this episode releasing, this would have been the sixth, which is the same amount George Lucas had. I guess not including like the The sixth what? I'm confused. So there would have been uh right, there would have been seven, eight, Rogue One, uh sorry, this would have been the seventh. Seven, eight Rogue One, Solo, and then... Well, he also didn't direct five or six. No, I know, but he was like... He was George Lucas, though. Right. He, For all intents and purposes, he did direct number six. He kind of brought in a guy that he could tell what to do a little bit. Uh, 
Five, though, was probably his most hands-off. That was I've heard Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, no, Kasdan wrote it. It was Urban Kirshner. Urban Kirshner, okay. Who has the best yeah. voice in the business? He sounds a little bit like a Muppet, and I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Which Muppet? All of them. All of them combined. Well, G Vader. <laughs> Did you? Okay, this doesn't have anything to do with the Mandalorians. Did you see that they sent the Muppets to like people's houses so they can do Sesame Street remotely? What? No, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So like the puppeteers have their Muppets like at home and are recording Sesame Street like on their iPhones. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Let me get this straight. They don't normally have them at home. You don't just bring Kermit home. He's not a Muppet. He is. Yeah. You don't just bring Kermit home at the end of the day. I don't think so. Kermit's a Muppet. Sesame Street's not Muppets. Yeah, it is. No, Kermit and Elmo exist in different worlds. Yeah, but they're all made by Jim Henson. Yeah, they're all Jim Henson. Oh, are they? I don't know how it works. Yeah. So Kermit could never meet Elmo, right? I'm sure they could and have. Yeah, like Frank Oz, he voiced Grover as well as um, Fozzie Bear and Miss Piggy. So they're all connected. I don't know about like if there's some sort of Muppet cinematic universe. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I know that I saw a picture today of a really excited looking dude holding Ernie above his head and with an iPhone faced at it. That's fantastic. That's so fun. <laughs> I love that. People were very, 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 very upset about that photo. Let me tell you that much. Why? Because you're not supposed to show the person underneath the Muppet. Destroyed the magic? Yeah. Oh, I find it more magical. A bunch of people were like, my kid saw this. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> Stop letting your Sesame Street believing children on Twitter. Let's start there. But yeah. Twitter is our universe. Yeah. Um, Kermit the Casey, Frog wanna, here tweeting from my iPhone. I want to talk about the Mandalorian because we have Casey here and he's so good at like actually sinking his teeth into things and so, really like yeah. well, we can giving me the jump juices. Right from those like, Sesame Street puppets to Baby Yoda. Let's do it. You know that you know that scene in Return of the King where uh, worms worm mouth tongue mm -hmm. is like he bites into the tomato. Oh, Denethor does that. But yeah. Denethor. Yeah, it's yes, not Grinnell Worm right. Tummy. It's Denethor, and it's disgusting. It's, I know, yeah. yes. It turned me off to okay. tomatoes forever. My mistake. Denethor <laughs> bites into something. Yeah. Uh, While Billy Boyd like sings when, beautifully in the background. Oh, it's that's, so good. That's Casey breaking things down. He really gets the juices. So Casey, I'm Denethor biting into a tomato. Be offended by that, please. I No, I was going to say, I think that's the meanest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> Casey, why is this your favorite episode of The Mandalorian? Tell me about it. Oh, man. I, I just love the tension in this episode. I, I think that there's not a ton of tension in the first two, but it really ramps up into this one. Um, I also think we get some more of the Mando's morality. We start to see where, where his loyalties are and what, you know, the choices he's going to make and their, the impact of those choices. Right. I just love that. Yeah, this is 100% where he goes from just like the bounty hunter to the hero of our story. Yeah, exactly. And we start to see I, his his feelings toward the child because up to this point, we don't really know. We, I mean, we never know what he's thinking, especially because he's wearing a mask the whole time. But um, here we really see what his actions are. They're speaking louder than his words. Yes. I also like just going deeper into it. It's the first time we see him like care about something that's not his or something that cares that that's his that is a value to someone else like specifically with the little ball that screws into the gear shifter or whatever yeah uh like he has this moment and this oh hold on these recurring questions like throughout the episode where he's like asking people in almost like a casual way like what do you think they're going to do with the child and, and, yeah. and what's going to happen to it now and he keeps asking about the tracking fobs so you can think like wow how contested was this fight but really what he's doing is he's like how many people am I going to have to fight if I take the child yeah right. how many people are going to come after me that know about it well and even more than that what what are the chances that like what if he hadn't found the child and someone else had like how many of those other bounty hunters would have not just killed the child or not cared that they were giving 
giving it to the empire. I, I think that it it raises the stakes of man. This could have gone really south for the child, but it didn't because Mando Mando got it. But also, he knows that nobody else got even kind of close, right? Except the ID. <laughs> The IG unit did. The IG yep. unit made it all the way there. Um, and I guess that's sort of foreshadowing that, like, there are other bounty hunters that care. But, like, by the time him and the IG unit made it to the child's hideout, it didn't seem like a lot of damage had been done there. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you, this is, this episode, while fantastic, includes the worst acting of the entire show on behalf of Carl Weathers in the scene where he gives Mando that side quest. Yeah, I agree. Carl Weathers is hard to... I don't know. He it, takes me out a little bit. It literally <laughs> felt like scripted video game dialogue when he was like, Oh, great job you picked there. Ha! <laughs> a nobleman's son who skipped bail. High-paying job. Looks like you're headed to the outskirts of the Corellian galaxy. Or whatever he says. And I'm like, why are you, why are you delivering this so badly? <laughs> Like, how did we end up here? The, the, the director was like, oh, okay, okay. D mm, we're, okay, we're done. We're done? I don't know. It was just so weird because the rest of the episode is fantastic. And this whole, this weird, like, side quest assigning scene, I was like, yeah, this is going to stick for sure. He's totally <laughs> just going <laughs> to screw off and go do that quest. Totally. <laughs> Can you imagine the rest of the show, though, if he'd just been like, mm, okay, well, that sucks. That thing was really cute. I'm going to go kill some stuff. Do you think people wanted like Mandalorian Deadpool? I'm sure hundred percent did. Hundred percent. People were here for the. They were expecting like you know just just non nonstop space battles, just like. Well, like the wisecracking Mandalorian, as opposed to the like stoic. This is the way. Hmm. I don't think people knew what to expect. Yeah, well, especially I, after the first episode, as soon as you first see the child, then everything's out the window. You're like, I don't know what this is going to be, but I have no <laughs> idea where this is going. Yeah, but that's a baby Yoda, and it's very cute. <laughs> I, and I'll tell you. I have yet, I still have yet to get over it. Oh, Every no, time I... he's on screen, I'm just like, like at the end of this episode, when he, he reaches for the gear shift and Mando like unscrews it and hand it to him, like that is the cutest thing that's happened to me all week since the last time I saw it Baby Yoda. It never gets old. Never. It will never get old. Because <laughs> I'm the do same you, way. I keep expecting like... it to, but it won't. It, it just doesn't. So Mando, I don't know if you guys know this about me. Ethan, I know you do. Casey, this might come as a shock. What's up? I have very big hands. Okay. Where are you going with this? Yeah, I'm confused too. Ma Mando's gloves are too big. Okay. Too big for what? Com yeah, compared for to his, what? For his hands. For his hands. Like proportionally too big? No, like when he's like unscrewing the thing, you can see that there's like extra fabric past his fingertips. Oh. How does he fire a gun like that? Well, he doesn't. <laughs> I know, but... It's a costume. How does... I know it's a costume, Ethan, but it, like... You're immersed in the world and you have these questions. I'm immersed, exactly. And that's what... I will say this. One thing I love about Elsewhere, as it, well, maybe you do this more often than I realize, uh, but one thing I love about, about our content and your content is that it's interested in the story that's being told as opposed to, like, the greater allegory. It, it, you know go on, I mean? go on. No, I just want to hear you go explain that more. Like, I'm more interested in what's happening in the world of Star Wars than like, oh, Mando obviously represents Donald Trump and he's, you know, obviously he doesn't. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I don't care about the, the greater allegory okay, or what, okay. it, what it means for like, you know, real world symbolism. I'm, I'm more interested in just like caring about the story that's happening. You're more interested in the symbolism itself than some sort of topical uh, connection it's making. Correct. In an allegorical way. Okay. So in other words, you're more of the Tolkien than the C.S. Lewis. That's what you're saying. Yes. Although we had a discussion about Tolkien today uh, with Mary Clay about like how clearly influenced he is by the, the wars he grew up through. Oh, for sure. That, for sure. And that 
you, like you can't escape that. But of course, and also you know. the many many ways he wishes that the wars were different. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was definitely influenced by real life, and even his putting real life symbolism in there. It's just he wanted um, he wanted the reader to find that rather than him saying this character is a one-to-one parallel to this real-life thing or this religious figure. That's that's the only difference. I think he wasn't anti-Semitic. The only (laughs) real-life figure I am interested in comparing the Mandalorian to is Clint Eastwood. I mean, yeah, there's definitely the... the the connection to westerns and i mean you guys have talked about that a lot already but there's also a lot of uh samurai influence in japanese cinema um yeah like so there's a a japanese manga and then it was turned into a film series in the 70s called lone wolf and cub which was clearly uh, i mean the the filmmakers john favreau and dave filoni have even said it was influential where it's this samurai um assassin i guess he's a ronin and he's got a child his child in tow because his wife was murdered and so he's going through all these assassinations but he has this baby and a cart with him the whole time um oh my gosh the even the titles alone so the first one's called lone wolf and cub sword of vengeance the second one's called lone wolf and cub baby cart at the river sticks which is great for a title it gets better it's good lone wolf and cub baby cart to hades which the actual literal translation of that is wolf with child in tow subtitle baby cart against the winds of death which i mean Japanese is an extremely dramatic language. Right. I always forget this until somebody (laughs) tells me the literal translation of things from Japanese. Yeah. And I'm like, man... This culture makes so much more sense when you think about how they talk about things. Right. But yeah, this this series sounds insane. Like, at one point, he puts a, a ball and a sword in front of his baby child, and he's waiting for the child to choose the ball. If the baby chooses the ball, he's going to assassinate the child because to send it to be with its dead mother, you know, the spirit. But the child goes toward the sword, and so he says, all right, you're on this deadly journey with me. It just sounds wild. I, I've never seen it. I don't know much about it. But but I think, yeah, I think it's important to bring up there's this... It's easy to get caught caught up in the bounty hunter side of things and not because he's living this sort of like double life where he's the Mandalorian that gets to go out and like the profession he chooses to do is bounty hunting because they say only one goes out at a time. Um, and then there's also like his relationship with the, the the bounty hunter family. And I think it's so interesting to me, the parallel between, um, and I, of course I can't remember the character's name, but the, I have spoken guy and the, this is the Quill. way kind of thing where it's Quill, uh, saying, you know, I've spoken and that's sort of the same mantra as like this is the way like yeah it's just gonna be this way right like, like it's it's an unspoken agreement that we are speaking into past existence and yet the whole series is really about a lot of characters breaking out of that even this even this episode itself it shows the mandalorians um you know they keep saying this is the way we're supposed to hide we're supposed to stay in the shadows but they definitely don't do that by the end um well and their strength is in their numbers at the end right and that's yeah that's definitely like they may have disagreements and if you get if you're stuck in the sewers long enough you're definitely gonna have disagreements and you see at the beginning of the episode they're ready to basically fight to the death and by the end they're those dudes were perfectly happy to be like, yep, we'll defend you. It sucks. Sorry. Like, this, yeah. this really blows for everybody, but like, we're going to do it. We're brothers. This is the way. This is the way. I have spoken. I'm going to say that. I'm going to end sentences that way from now on. It's it's a I, big power move for sure. <laughs> Even when I watched this the first time around, I was like, man, this guy doesn't mess around at all. Like, I don't have that confidence. I don't think many I've people spoken, do. But, I've spoken, but you can speak too. It's okay. <laughs> I don't think many people have that confidence. <laughs> That was my idea, but if you have a different one that you think right. might be better, like I, like, let's do your idea. In fact, my idea was dumb. What's your idea? Right. Like technically, I have spoken, but that's not the end of it. So go on, it's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I really enjoyed this whole this whole sequence, this whole thing. Uh, we get like a, a really good look. I guess again, I, I guess this is pretty common, but like Mando is more successful here. Like the juxtaposition of his fight with the Mudhorn where he like is completely useless to now he's fighting to, I guess, av- avenge or collect or he's fighting in defense of the child, I guess, again, which is the moments where he wins. Uh, but it's like an offensive defense and he just wrecks the stormtroopers. Right. It's very, uh, it's very Batman, like attacking through the shadows. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that scene. It's so cool. And it's not really anything we've seen in Star Wars much, at least live action. It's, it's, uh, it's different. And I like it. Cassian kills that one guy at the beginning of Rogue One for no reason. God. That's true. I just <laughs> pour one out for the movie Rogue One could have been. I love Rogue One so much. But I, I know don't you get do, into but I right just, now. I just wanted them oh, to wait. F- pull that thread. Here we go, Ethan. Here we go. Rogue One is amazing. I have spoken. Oh, God. Ooh. The thing is, like, you can't I, argue with that. You I, your opinion's yeah. different now. But I can. Just, I, that's the thing is, I can just argue with that because I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> I have spoken American is not in our, our zeitgeist. Like, that is not a thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, I don't want to dwell on on Rogue One because that's not what this podcast is. But I will say I like it more every time I watch it, and I watch it more often than I realize. It's probably the Star Wars movie I recently have watched the most. Yeah, yeah, I've loved with, it. I don't I know loved why. With the exception I know Ethan of, doesn't, and we talked about it before. So yeah, with the exception of probably the first two, it is definitely the Star Wars movie I have the the desire to watch the least at any given moment. Not Ewoks Caravan of Courage. Okay, look, Casey, <laughs> you know darn well what I meant. It's not canon. But it's got Wilford Brimley. Actually, I don't know if he's in the first Ewoks or the other one. There's one of them that Wilford Brimley is in. I'm not sure. I can't say I've ever seen any of them. I've seen parts, but that's about it. I've seen parts of the Christmas or the holiday special, but I I don't I don't see the, I don't feel like the need like nope. if there's like a you're not truly indoctrinated into the fandom until you've seen it then I don't know that I want to be yeah that's a hundred percent because people like as much as we try to be open and everything and and I think we do a better job than a lot of people but we still aren't perfect and there are members of our community sometimes that edge on this but not really it when when you get the people that are like they'll come after me specifically and be like oh you don't watch tv shows you're not a star wars fan i'm like ah then i'm not a star wars fan like that's fine yeah no if, I, if that's I, your definition then like I, I that makes me want to watch the tv shows so much less right no i i'm a firm believer that if you want to be a fan of something then you are a fan of yeah, something just that's be a it fan that's the it. only it criterion matter. that's and it I know that, like we make a podcast about movies obviously we get into dumb conversations about like what out of this stuff matters but like at the end of the day none of it matters it's all movies like just watch stuff that makes you happy you have spoken that's the thing is like i i don't love rogue one as much as the other star wars movies but it is i like it better than like most movies right (laughs) Right. (laughs) it's like it is not my favorite star wars movie but god i would rather watch it than like hocus pocus I, given that particular dichotomy, <laughs> 10 out of 10 times, I'm be like, let's go, Jen or so. Let's get it. <laughs> I do feel like Jen or so is an unsung female lead in the in the Star Wars universe. I feel like Rey and uh, Leia get a lot of credit. Agreed. Agreed. Well-deserved credit, but I feel like Jyn Erso deserves a decent amount of credit as well. They wouldn't have the Death Star plans if it wasn't for her. I'm trying not to get too deep into this because I know Ethan probably wants to move on. Oh, I really don't care. Go, go for yeah. it. We have you on because we want you to talk about Star Wars with us. Oh, man. One day we'll get we'll get back to covering the entire Star Wars series again and you can come on for all of them. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Well, I, I don't know. What do we want to talk about about Star Wars? I've, I wanted, I really, 
Of course, I want to hear any thoughts on Rogue One you have right now, but but I really, I think there's a lot to say about this episode of The Mandalorian. I remember watching it today and having seen the whole series, I was like almost like surprised, even though I know it doesn't end this way, but I was like surprised that he gave the child at all. Right, yeah. Like in my mind, I was like, the shootout happens before they ever get the child. Yeah, it does feel like that. It almost happens quickly, like, because you don't see his thought process beforehand. You see his thought process afterward, you know? It makes him so much like- more of a powerful and interesting and relatable character though that he just does the job first and then has to figure it out Mm -hmm. like i also think that he he knows the reward is the best car and i think he's like playing it in his head of being like if i turn the child in then i can get better armor and then i can rescue the child because they won't be able to hurt me and so like he does that but then he finds out like all of the other bounty owners have tracking fobs and he's like okay i need to just get off world greetings traveler Ooh, <laughs> looks like you're going to the ocean dunes of most of of somewhere i'm gonna say welcome to jumanji like, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to jumanji uh, Dr. Bravestone! (laughs) (laughs) And so then he's like, okay, everybody's got tracking problems. I can't really blow my way through this, but I do have this new armor. They're all going to come after me anyway. And he gets back to the ship. And I was surprised it took him seeing like the little gear shift nod to go back for the child. I didn't, I really didn't think there was any chance he was ever going to not go back. I love that as an emotional touchstone throughout though. Like it's almost annoying to him at first. And then he sees that it's, he sees it and is thinking about the child. And then at the very end of the episode, he just hands it to the child. Yeah. I mean, so I love you, that through line. It's, it's just one of those Star Wars things where like you can always, you can explain anything in the Star Wars universe away as long as you don't pull the thread too hard. Yeah. And that's one of those things that like, obviously he was never going to not go back for the child because that's how stories work. Right. Right. But like, you can't, you can't look at it from that mindset and you have to, it's a good moment to see him see the gear shift and be like, dang, I kind of miss that little green thing. Cause it's a good <laughs> moment and you, and you can hear it in his head, even though he doesn't say it out loud. You can hear him just be like, fine, 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 fine. I'll go back, go back. I'll get the thing. We'll run. Fine. <laughs> we'll run away. It's all okay. Listen. Hey, fine. Right, you, can, exactly. you can hear the argument he's having with nobody that they would have in like a more comedic movie. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is somewhere doing a voiceover commentary. Yeah. hundred Like if this was a Mandalorian, the comedy, Ryan Reynolds would show up as like a little Boba Fett with angel wings. <laughs> on his shoulder and a little Django Fett devil with devil on horns <laughs> on the other shoulder. Brian Reynolds would be both of them and they Actually. would have that argument of like, you gotta go back from the child for the child. Or it'd be Patrick Warburton just doing the crunk <laughs> the, the ones from Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. It's like, now you know you have to go back for him. You really uh, help you out no, back no. there with that mud horn. He's got a point. And then, yeah, and then the devil one's just like, yeah, I really don't want to leave him with the Empire anyway. I don't even like those guys. <laughs> Oh, it's a baby. Oh, That's the second baby. cutest thing I've seen all day. Is the first the child? It is. Just, but the just child doesn't it. have an ice cream cone shirt. Is that an ice cream cone? <laughs> is it? Is that an ice cream cone, Emily? I can't see it. Yeah. Oh, man. That is adorable. She is a super cute baby. That's for sure. <laughs> She's probably cuter than baby Yoda. I mean, I, don't make me pick that. Don't, yeah. don't make me make that choice. I'm going to get her a gear shift for Christmas. <laughs> Please don't. Please get her anything else. <laughs> what about a floating baby carriage? Yes. That yeah, would be if I can find her a floating sweet. baby egg, I'll make sure to buy that. <laughs> There's one in a dumpster somewhere. Just yeah, if you it. looked on and the just island. The, the entire time that you're like walking her around or whatever outside, it just plays the drums from the theme music. <laughs> yeah. The whole time. Yeah. It feels very rocky like the... to me, the music, which makes sense because Ludwig did the score for Creed. So Yeah, I was going to say. 
I mean, it is just, it is like, if you if you take the Venn diagram of the Rocky theme that he did for Creed, or the whatever, the, the music, the, the, the main yeah. theme that he did for Creed, and the main theme that he did for Killmonger, and just made a Venn diagram of them, it is the Mandalorian theme. Mando's in the middle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> it's, the, it's the flutes and everything. Yeah. Did you guys see the ice cream maker in this episode? What? No. The, the Beskar steel is in an ice cream maker, that thing that creepy Werner Herzog puts on the table and pushes the button and oh. it opens up. It's a it's like some real minutia of an Easter egg because there's a guy on Cloud City running with an ice cream maker when the Empire's attacking or whatever. No way. Yeah, yeah. I want his name's his name's Will Rowe Hood, and at the uh, Star Wars celebration, they always have a running of the hoods. So everyone dresses up in these orange jumpsuits and just runs around the conference hall carrying ice cream makers. That's it's incredible. The best thing. <laughs> That's the I best want... Easter egg I've ever heard in my entire right? life. I freaked out when I saw the ice cream maker in this episode. Like freaked out. I don't I don't scream at my TV a lot, but I screamed. I don't imagine you screaming very much. No, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a quiet person. I'm a bit like the Mandalorian, laconic. I was gonna say I did you watch you chuck a book me. across the room one time though. That's true. Yeah. You did see me at my worst or best, I don't know. That was I would I being mad at racists is Yeah, that's not worst, I guess, huh? That'd be the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the worst in the sense that you, you saw me. I saw a broken you know, and betrayed emotions. Casey that I did not like. <laughs> I threw it the made, book away. It after made my. That. You, did you really? I kept the cover. I can't quite get rid of that. But <laughs> like I like just the, the dust book jacket. Away. It's gone. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, the dust jacket. I still have. The That's incredible. <laughs> the good thing is, if your kids ever find the dust jacket and they're like, "Dad, I really want to read this book," and you're like, "No," and they just go on Amazon and try to find it, it is impossible to find. Is it really? It, I haven't looked. Well, for no, it. probably like four or five clicks, but it's not as easy as like right. because there's a there's multiple books of the same title, and that one is not the most famous. Right. I often see the one with the Edgar Allan Poe on the front, but none yes. of them have the laser pasta and the flying caterpillar dog. So yes. Speaking of books and just ridiculous things also, about Also, dear books. listener, welcome back to the conversation. We were just talking about an obscure cover art <laughs> for a novel that Casey once read for a moment. <laughs> oh, wait, you think I'm going to delete that? <laughs> Am I supposed to delete no. that? Oh, okay. No. Okay. But yeah, speaking of books, just for one second, I, I, you know, obviously everybody's been getting their stimulus money the past two days. Yeah, me too. And yep. yeah, you're, you're included in everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so every business in the world right now is like, I'm going to put something dumb on sale. And I was like, you're not going to get me businesses. You're not going to get me this time. Okay. You know what got me? You know what? They finally, it was this morning and they finally broke me. I spent uh, $55 on a copy, an annotated, illustrated, like 27 inch long copy of American Gods. That's amazing. Yeah. It would not get me though. Yeah. They got me big time though. It was like hand numbered, hand signed, annotated copy, huge. I was like, God, this is just. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't read that yet, but it, it still sounds amazing. It will be shocking. There are parts of it that will be shocking to your eyeballs. I am warning okay. you ahead of time. That book is not without, it's like, there are things where like if you're listening to the audiobook and you go through a drive through you have to make sure it's cut off. Right. So like okay. that is Good not I always make sure it's cut off. I don't want the lady at Wendy's know this is like I'm listening to Order of the Phoenix again. <laughs> Yeah, but like, oh boy. Ginny and Harry have some snogging. There moments. there are scenes in American Gods Whoa. that when I listen back to the audiobook, I just fast forward through them. And like I don't do that. But anyway, 
the Mandalorian doesn't have any scenes I fast forward through. It's a very, uh, I mean, it's it's Star Wars. It's it's to some extent always going to be kid friendly as long as you're willing to let your kids watch stormtroopers get shot. Yeah, my yeah. kids haven't watched the Mandalorian yet. I've shown them the child, of course. We just I just need a supercut of the child and I can show them that. <laughs> I bet Someone it's out that. there. There, there has sure to is. be a there has to be a every baby Yoda moment in four minutes or whatever YouTube video. I'm sure. What what music would you play in the background of a Yoda supercut? Uh, probably just the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song the whole time. <laughs> I would just play the. Hold on, we're getting there. Hold on. Yoda's theme. Yeah. Can't wait for that copyright strike to hit our YouTube channel. Yoda's theme is not a piece of music that I like remember from the movies. Oh, it's like my favorite. Other than maybe Ray's theme, Yoda's theme is up there. Oh, it's it's Luke for me, 100%. The the Two Moons theme or whatever it's called. Oh, Binary Sunset. The Force theme is yes. what they call it when they pepper it throughout. Yes. They just call it the Binary Force Binary Sunset, yeah. 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 That's yeah. where the review comes from. No, it's not. <laughs> just a, just a, a, a titanic moment in movie scoring. Right. Oh, it's so good. John Williams is the, he's the king. You can go, Casey, so you can go anywhere with Baby Yoda from two minutes to 25 minutes. Man, I, I kind of want to make sure the 25 minute one doesn't have any, like, gunfire. You can watch Baby Yoda being adorable for two minutes straight, which has 4.8 million mm-hmm. views, all the way up to all Baby Yoda <laughs> scene, exclamation point, episode one to eight scene, exclamation point, open parentheses, Yoda film, close parentheses, season one, open bracket, 1080p, full HD, close bracket, which has uh, 394,000 views. Subtitled a- Baby Cart Against the Winds of Death. Yes. <laughs> this thumbnail for that last one I said, the thumbnail has three different fonts in it, which is incredible. Any Comic Sans in there? No. Actually, kind of. Hang on. Let me... Uh, papyrus. It's not Papyrus. papyrus. I'm just going to I'm gonna drop these thumbnails. I know what you did! In Discord real quick. <laughs> I know what you did! The one I'm did. referring to is Dead Center. Oh, I don't have Discord open right now. Let me pull it up. I'm hoping that one day I will watch Rogue One and enjoy it the way y'all do. I really am. You know, it because was a you made me think about Avatar experience. just now. And I covered Avatar with Isaac while you were on paternity leave, Tyler. And it was just an experience watching Avatar again. I was like, man, I hated this movie for some reason for a while. And now it's just like, this is good. This is fun. It's not the greatest story ever told, but it's fun. Right. Well, Rogue One's interesting because I feel like it splits. It splits people more than you'd think it would. You know what one people never talk about, us included, is Solo. I think I I talked about Solo last week on this show. No, I know, but like the fandom, I never see less than I see Jin or oh, so. Because everybody do I hated see. it. The fandom hated it. I like Solo a lot. I love I Solo. So did I. Oh, if you have to, yeah, if you have to make me pick between Solo and Rogue One, Solo wins that every time. I'd probably still pick Rogue One, but I really like Solo. I want a sequel or a TV show or something. I need more of that. Yeah, I definitely. I want to know what's going down. It would be good, like, I don't, I'm, and I'm not one to necessarily watch the TV shows um, of any of these. I mean, I'm watching The Mandalorian, obviously. I'll probably watch more live-action Star Wars TV shows, but, like, I don't really watch the Marvel shows at all. But I, I would watch, I, I could see an Alden Ehrenreich, uh, Donald Glover, like, buddy cop show, basically. Yeah, sure. but Donald Glover wants to do more hard stuff. He doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to be Lando Calrissian. He wants to be Atlanta. I mean. I think they could just do it with just Al- Alden, though. I mean, they're separated. Oh, for enough. sure, they could, but I just, I would love to see both of them. I loved right. both of them playing those characters. I loved Alden Ehrenreich. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, I think you said it last week, but he's really good. Yeah, I don't I don't know how anybody, and it's, it's an impossible task trying to play young Han Solo. Like, that is right. not 
a fair thing to ask of anybody. No, it's like the For revolution sure. of the character, like of the archetype. Like it didn't right. exist before Han Solo. Right. It, it probably helps that I'm not like a huge Han Solo as a character fan. Like I don't dislike him, but he's just never been one of my favorites. So I don't see it like, oh, it's a sacred role that only Harrison Ford can touch. It, I don't know. I don't think that at all. I don't think no, that. I, I agree with you. I'm in the same camp. I don't really think that about any role. Right. There's not one role you think is like perfectly cast, perfectly No, I think played. there are plenty, but I also think but that like. sacred. That's just, like, kind of a weird way to look at a character, I guess. So, uh, like, when Joaquin Phoenix took over the Joker, were you like, mm, no? I was like, mm, no. I mean, I was just because I wasn't interested in, in the movie or that particular, like, iteration of it. Well, and I'm not particularly interested even- in Joaquin Phoenix, I don't know, acting or breathing, so... Okay, what about when uh, the 30 Seconds to Mars guy did it? Yeah, I didn't care. I don't feel like the Joker is off limits just because Heath Ledger died. And Joker's tricky because there's been so many people that have played him. It's different if it's a character that, like on Solo, where it's pretty much just Harrison Ford. And that's sort of the thing baked into, like, comic books is that nobody owns that character. Not not an actor, at least. Right, because well, even in the books themselves, they change so much through the different artists and whatnot. So I think maybe audiences are more prepared for a comic book character have different actors versus um, a, a character that was made iconic by one single actor in one in a, a series of films. Like one day when they but eventually with- foist a like young Tony Stark movie on me, I'm going to have to accept the fact they're going to let somebody else play Iron Man and I'm not going to be okay with it at first. But like it's just how it is yeah yeah that's i think robert denny jr as iron man is the only one in the mcu that i'm like you cannot recast this like yeah chris evans was, was great but i, I chris evans kind of just a white dude i don't know he was pretty freaking good steve rogers <sighs> there just isn't enough to that character to make me believe that not anybody can play that character oh i just disagree so okay. much captain america or rogue one uh which captain america chris evans oh which movie i don't know i was just I would take First Avenger or Civil War over Rogue One, but Rogue One over Winter Soldier. Oh my goodness. We're like opposite here. I, I truthfully do not like the Bucky Barnes storyline at all, though. It is my least favorite part of the MCU. I am much more excited for a Black Widow movie than a Winter Soldier TV show hmm. by miles. Uh, see, I'm not in the same camp here. I'm not either. I love Winter Soldier. Oh, I'm but... not particularly excited for the Black Widow movie. Don't don't mistake that. I <laughs> not saying again. Is there's a sliding scale here? Like I'm not jazzed for the Black Widow movie. I just don't care about the Winter Soldier at all. So if you have ten dollars to go to the movie theater and they re-release Rogue One the day Black Widow comes out, what are you gonna see? <laughs> I'm gonna see Black Widow. Like I have movie. a podcast to uphold. <laughs> no, I. This is an additional ten dollars. <laughs> Here's the thing that I don't like to think about. Like if I never if the podcast never happened if we hadn't started doing the podcast exactly when we did it and sort of the way we did it i never would have seen thor ragnarok ever that's depressing yeah i think my fandom in marvel the way that it exists now only exists because we did bacon and eggs yeah i never would have seen thor ragnarok i hadn't seen thor the dark world when i saw thor ragnarok is that the only movie we've done on this whole list that you hadn't seen before we chose it no no i guess there's a bunch of like new movies and stuff but there were several in the mcu i had never seen hmm. fascinating well this is a great discussion on the mandalorian do you guys have anything additional to add? Yeah, Casey, keep bring us back to the Mando for a minute. Okay, so the color red in Star Wars, especially the... I'm just diving right into the weeds here. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. In the newer Star Wars movies, especially the, the, scene? the, the color the red. Scene? No, the Damn. color... I, I can, but the color red stands for like the force, particularly particularly people who believe in the force and even like worship the force, but aren't Jedi themselves. So um, if you notice in the flashback scene, he and his family are wearing like 
completely red Jedi robes. I can almost guarantee that's going to come into play at some point. Um, like they're part oh. of the Church of the Force or something. But even I noticed this time was that the chair on the Razor Crest where maybe Yoda's baby carrier sits or sits in front of or whatever is also decked out in red, um, sort of symbolizing his connection to the Force, I think, as well, which is really cool. So, I mean, color, it's important. Obviously, that scene of him and his family in the red is going to come back because Thanos right. has to show up and give him the dagger. What? It's what exactly, dagger? it's the same dagger. scene. For, with, with Gamora, where he shows up and gives her the knife, it's the oh, same scene. Just without the super battle droids. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I loved the super battle droids being in there. I thought that was awesome. Right? Well, it, it's great for the character because it shows why he hates droids, but it's also a fun fun little Easter egg for, for the Clone right. Wars. And one day, we're going to get the pan out and it's going to be Thanos in charge of the droids. I'm telling you, it's the same scene. It's just people in red running and screaming. And that's where the crossover happens. That's where the crossover happens. Thank you. Yes. Let's make it happen. I, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. And Wonder Woman will show up and save them from Thanos. This is obvious, people. She will She will lasso lightning. Lightning? <laughs> yeah. I lassoed lightning. She lassoed lightning and I cried is my favorite <laughs> thing that Tyler has ever said. <laughs> I, I I mean, I did. I, I That's been pushed back, right? Uh, Have they canceled it permanently? Yeah. No. Why would they Dang cancel it? Because oh, DC sucks. We need some lasso so lightning good. right now. The world needs I some know, lightning God. and lassos. I'm just I'm gonna open my Spotify and just play the song from the trailer so that I can kind of hype myself up. Uh, yeah, I do miss movies coming out for sure. Yeah, I, I wish there was some way to theaters. like. I wish there was like it was some way to force theaters to just stick to their timelines and just release things digitally, not theaters studios. Right. A lot of things. It's very sad. Trolls. Trolls 2 World Tour with okay, the McElroy but like, brothers. But like the ones I care about. But like the ones I care about. You don't care about trolls. Not particularly. <laughs> Trolls 2 oh, or Trolls. Wonder Woman if you had $10? Wonder Woman. Well, I, I know you would say that. I'm talking to Ethan. <laughs> but I also I, love I have Trolls. no idea. I haven't seen Trolls 2. I didn't particularly care about Trolls 1. What's funny is I, I really don't like these kinds of dichotomies, and I keep bringing them up and making you choose, so I'm sorry. But it's like, I, I, yeah, I just like... dumb dichotomies. I just would love for Disney to just be like, okay, we're going to take the hit and just push Wonder Woman, or not Wonder Woman, push Black Widow out. Like, let's go for it. I think there would be But they're like, no, the we're in trouble. We spent all our money. Yeah. Sorry. So have you ever seen the movie Hard Boiled with John, uh, by John Woo with Chow Yun-Fat? I have watched precious no. few John Woo movies. I haven't seen it either, but I watched a clip because Deborah Chow said that uh, it sort of inspired the, the parts where the Mandalorian's holding the child and escaping out of the Imperial compound. Because gotcha. in that movie, Chow Yun-Fat's just holding this baby while he's in a gunfight. It's pretty intense. And uh, he's like telling the child, sorry, you have to see all this violence. Which, I mean, at some point that baby Yoda's gonna... He's got to turn to the dark side, right? He's experiencing all this violence at a very young age. He doesn't know the light side and the dark side. We just know he has the force. There's got to be some... I would some... not have thought baby Yoda's gonna have to go dark. That's an interesting take. I don't know if I really think that, but... Um, I would assume I that the Yoda species is like one of <laughs> those balancing agents inherently good yeah okay that like we're gonna find out that baby yoda was this takes place after the prequels no, i mean the this sequels is, this is or, five years after return of the jedi so it's between six and seven yeah so but closer to six this yoda is like willed into existence by the creation of anakin or something is he not willed into existence by the death of yoda no because he's 50 years old right? yeah so no oh, so we would only have been five so the timeline matches much closer to to Anakin, yeah. I just feel like they there's no way they're going to make the Yoda species be dark. But in that case, and here's a sad thought, is there any way that the child survives this series? Uh, if some sort of balance 
seancing agent. Almost certainly. Because well, then where? Why wasn't he there for Ray? Although I guess there are Force right. users in that world. Like according to Last Jedi, we know that there are even if they're unaware, Force sensitive humans sweeping up floors. Right. I'm like as a Force user for sure. But if he's some sort of super important balance in the Force, where was he? Yeah, but if he's this like if he's this underdeveloped at age 50, is he really going to be that much more ready to take on the, you know, the First Order at age 75? Okay, that's fair. So maybe Ray's next mission is searching for the child. I hope. Post- I, I mean, we get more Ray. really hope we do not get more Ray. What? No, I'm just spitballing here. I mean, what do you mean, what? Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. I love Ray. Okay, the book is closed. I take more Ray. Do you want to get, you are giving them the opportunity to ruin it. It is done. Yeah, but yeah, people are already mad you, enough. So. <laughs> I'm with you. I love Ray and I like the Rise of Skywalker, but I'm good with that being the end. Yes, please you know? stop messing around with the, the Skywalker saga. There's there's millions of years b- before and after this 30-year period, 60-year period or whatever it was. Stop messing with it. Tell me more stories. It's fine. Shmi Skywalker, Star Wars story. I'm just going to let you think about what you just said. I want, you to, I want you to stand up story. and I want you to go walk into the corner and stay there. The parallels with Anakin continue in this episode. Go on. I was, go on. I was thinking about it as I watched it and <laughs> But it's there. Oh, with baby Yoda, where he falls in love with the beautiful space princess, that part. Mm -hmm. And then he has to like make a choice between, you know, like, no, it's between Mando and and Anakin. Um, So the child is Padme in this situation? (laughs) I'm really confused. Yes. She's older, but also kind of (laughs) young. This is getting weird. No, it's, 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 uh, Anakin, the the juxtaposition of Anakin, like, entering the world that he's in at an age older than he should have been, uh, is, like, what we see with Mando, but instead it's, like, Mando entered this world of lawful evil and is choosing instead to be, like, chaotic good, where Anakin left chaotic evil to lawful good. I, I definitely am curious. And s- that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I thought you were done. And that led him to chaotic evil. Than to lawful evil. That's all. I'm curious to see where they go with Baby Yoda, just as a sidebar to this thing, or I guess a different bar, because I I don't think that they I, I knew that they I know they knew it was gonna be a big thing, but I don't think that they could have predicted how big of a thing it was gonna be for Baby Yoda to be in this, because like they took a long time getting merch out there and like a long time getting any kind of like Baby Yoda stuff in people's hands. Yeah, I think part of that was to preserve the the twist, because I think um that was. You know, I mean, almost Dave, certainly. Filoni and Favreau both really wanted that to preserve that twist. And the only way to do it was to delay the merchandise. And they basically had to go to the higher ups and say, we don't want. Yeah, but we like. don't want people to know yet. But like you can buy Super Bowl merch the next day. Like, yeah. you know, they've already got the T-shirts the minute they win. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just print both there, there had to be some there had to be some level of under preparation for that. So I, I'm curious to see how the writers yeah. feel about the response to Baby Yoda, because I don't feel like you can make the, the, there's you got to be careful what you do with the Baby Yoda story from here on out. Right. Will it go the way of minions where we get too much? You have officially integrated the normies into this. And like, if you kill baby Yoda, there's going to be some backlash from like every white woman alive. (laughs) (laughs) Like all of them. People who don't care about Star Wars are invested in the Mandalorian and, and, and watching it because they care about this, this cute little thing that they made. And like, if you turn that into a Sith. Right. Okay. But Anakin was a cute little baby. Yeah. But he was not like this, but not like this. Are you an angel? But not like this. <laughs> I remember my mom thinking that, oh, what is the kid's name? Kitster? Young Anakin. Oh, I thought you were uh, talking about his friend, Jake Lloyd. 
Jake Lloyd was just like the cutest kid in the world and she was like mad when they recast him in Attack of the Clones even though they obviously had to because <laughs> uh, Jake Lloyd still looks like he's nine um, <laughs> just with a beard and mustache uh, but like I remember That's my so mom wizard. thinking that he was like the, the cutest thing in the world <laughs> why don't we say that more that is such a great catchphrase that died right. with Phantom Menace it's so wizard is that from Phantom Menace yeah yeah, Kitster says it. So wizard, Annie. What's his name? Kitster. Kitster. I did not know right. that. It's one of the little kids that's Anakin's friend. Oh. And he's teaching him about the pod racer. He's like, that's so wizard, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, that's a great exclamation, kid. Like, why don't we say that more often? Let's bring it back. Start a trend. Start a trend. Hashtag that's so wizard. I'm sure that like so wizard <laughs> podcast would love that. Right. Because that's a Star I'm Wars sure podcast. Exists. No, it does. I know. I'm aware of it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's, it's a real thing that I have like experienced all right i think it's about time to wrap what do you think i think so thank you for joining us for another episode of the monday lorian this is such a fun show to make this, this is the way we got to talk That's to casey winters you got to talk to casey winters if you like casey winters you should listen to his podcast hello from elsewhere you've heard him talking now but he goes into like a lot more detail and a lot more things on his podcast than he does with his wife there's a preview for that show right here and you should listen to other shows on the wb or on the on the wbne network there's this show that you're already listening to hello from elsewhere you just heard a preview for you also listen to my other show it's called bagels where my wife and i just chat and are in love with each other and you can listen to that's what i'm talking about it's about lord of the rings other cool nerdy stuff thank you for listening you fantastic beautiful nerds uh until thursday i've been tyler carlin he's been ethan Edchill, and him and elsewhere has been casey winters bye bye, bye. it's a wizard <laughs>